0: Okay, perfect. So this is our second podcast of uh, 2020. We have Richard Philbin uh, in his beautiful offices here. He is uh, the CIO of Wellian Investment Solutions, and I met Richard a few months ago actually, and he struck me as a very, you know, sharp character and one who has valuable opinions on different things, especially on world affairs, on investments, and with deciding on topics to speak about, he gave me a very thorough list of very interesting uh, topics which I think are worth sharing and worth talking about. So, before we get into that, we spoke a little bit about um, his, uh, his support of uh, Manchester City. And he, uh, I think he's a bit upset about what happened recently with the case of UEFA. But uh, hopefully this podcast is going to be a chance for him to get uh, his mind off everything <laughs> <laughs> and talk about something worthwhile. So, initially, Richard, uh, welcome, first of all. Well, thank Obviously, you for having me on. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you for letting us use your beautiful offices. We might use this for future podcasts if you allow us Absolutely more than welcome. So uh, Initially, let's just jump straight straight into when I sent you the um, the questionnaire Something that struck to me struck out to me is sort of how much the investment landscape is changing Absolutely, right the 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 investment landscape is changing
1: because the world is changing Um, What and, and, and I think one of the major things behind that is is what we've seen with the rise of ESG and ESG investing mm-hmm. o- over the last you know, year in particular, but yeah, that has been gaining momentum for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And and off the back of that, we've got to realise that we're not only investors, but we're, we're stakeholders and we're shareholders. Um, and although I think there's an awful lot that's, that's wrong with capitalism in, in its current form, I think capitalism is the best way forward mm-hmm. but I think capitalism has to change um, you've got to be aware of, of your society you've got to be aware of where you're coming from where you're going to and um, un- mm-hmm. unlike the, the the Google you know comment of do no evil um, I think do less evil mm-hmm. is probably the first step that we should be considering mm-hmm. um, but but not only is the investment landscape changing but the investment participants are changing mm-hmm. and what they want from investment is changing. And because of that, you've got to adjust the way that, that you think and the way that you act and the way that you build portfolios, but also the way that you interact with your your customers, your clients, your your stakeholders, your shareholders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and therefore, yeah, the things that drove gain in the past are not the things that will drive gain in the future.
0: So are there any particular things that you feel in the last probably 10 years? or Are there any Segmentations you can make because obviously the investment landscape is always changing. It's always in fluctuation as technology evolves as different market participants become Active in different parts of the world Uh, There's a lot more competition. There's a lot more opportunities out there But is there anything specific that you see as being a positive and perhaps a negative for you in your own situation? Yeah, people like you
1: yeah, there's a there's a lot of things I mean one one of the major things certainly in the last decade has been the absolute huge rise in the the use of passive investing Mm -hmm. Um, and I think looking forward there will be a huge rise in, in artificial intelligence, in machine learning, um, how investing will, will be done. Uh, the, the interaction of human versus machine um, will have a, uh, an impact that nobody has yet worked out how, how it will happen. Um, because what you've also got is that, that economies, uh, investing, uh, markets, market participants are all dynamic and complex. And always want a different thing from it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, I, I think a lot like you know, in, investing is a bit like eBay. You know, the price that someone is willing to pay, and, and let's say there's something that you're willing to buy, and, and you, you you've you've bought it, and you think you've got a bargain because you've bought it, mm-hmm. but you're willing to pay more than anyone else is. Yeah. Which, which kind of makes you know. The, you, obviously, you find an equilibrium. Sure. But you think you've got a bargain, but you've actually paid more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And you know, in, in investing, yeah, it, whether you pay a pound or a pound 10 for a share or, or whether it's 90p for a share, that that's, that's only one measure as to whether what you've bought is good, bad or indifferent. And there are more than one goalpost. You know, you know, If, for example, I say to you, well, I got you 10% return and one of my peer groups got you 10% return, but I got you 10% return with 5% volatility, mm and my peer got it with 10% volatility, does, does that make me a better investor or does that make me a worse investor? Um, you know, if I got it with X percent of, of, of yield or mm-hmm. with, with Y percent of, of less carbon mm-hmm. you know, because I, I've, I've avoided you know, BP and Shell, for mm-hmm. instance. And you know, when you don't have a single measure as to say, yeah, this is a, a successful outcome mm-hmm. or it's not a successful outcome mm-hmm. or I've met the objectives of my client or I've yeah. met the objectives of, of everything, that makes it a, a much more different, interactive sort of environment, and because mm. of that, you know, the, the world is changing. And going back to the whole you know, initial question of, of, of active versus passive, for instance, mm. we're going to get know, into that. Lots of people are talking you know, that, that, that passive is good because passive is cheap.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, passive is cheap, but it, it's it's completely computer driven, um, and and just because it's cheap doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. I'm, I'm a big believer that you know, active and passive works. I think there are areas where passive is definitely the best route. Um, I think there are areas where active is the best route. Um, but as I said earlier, you know, capitalism's changing. The, the regulation is changing. And um, the globalization of the world is forcing people to think and act differently as well. You know, I, you know, in, in, at the moment, one of the things that, that we're thinking of you know, 10 years ago, China was an emerging market. Um, today, China is an emerging market. It might be the second largest economy in the world, but it's still an emerging market. Um, and we're starting to look at, at emerging market funds and saying to managers, can you buy, can you build a portfolio that doesn't include China because we want to get exposure to China directly? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, you know, that, that market didn't exist you know, five years ago, 10 years sure. ago. It's it's difficult to exist today, but it will exist in a couple of years' time.
0: That's interesting. Going back to the passive versus active debate, that's obviously a very heated debate that uh, many active and passive managers love to keep their sides on. But wouldn't you say that even with something like a passive investment, like an ETF, for example, pegging the S&P 500, not everyone is going to put their, all their eggs in that one basket. They're going to diversify in any case. So they're going to have that. They may have some you know, T-bonds. They may invest in property. They may invest in an active management but do you think the, because the, the rise of, uh, of passive is becoming more institutional, more institutional investors are using passive funds uh, as part of their portfolio for clients. Is, it, is that a trend that you think clients want? They want, the, uh, they want less, uh, less, less perhaps risky investments or they want something that is more consistent over time as opposed to relying on an active manager?
1: I, I think you're, one of the questions you need to ask there is, is how do you define risk? Saying that yeah, it's a less risky investment. Um, to a certain extent, I would agree. Because passive, by by default, you're investing in the largest capitalised capitalised companies in in that that market or mm-hmm. the world, yeah. and by default, they're likely to be more liquid. And liquidity is something that we're very very keen on following at the moment. It, it, it's a big um, bugbear for a lot of people at the moment, especially in the in the light of of recent. Um, uh, investment manager who who was investing an, an awful lot in unlisted companies and you know, had a, had a bit of a run on the fund and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it was um yeah, not not uh, de rigueur at the moment um so so passive fills a space in that it you know, it, it creates liquidity it, it allows you to get in and get out on a, on a quick basis mm-hmm. um, and to a certain extent you know if you 're investing in the s and p you 're investing in five hundred different companies so you 've got a diverse base there yeah Um, But the majority of the returns that the S&P have given you over the last decade or so have been from, you know, the well-known FANG stocks, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, F-A-A-N-G, five companies. If you look at the S&P 495 versus the S&P 500, you've got a very, very different um, index. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, because indices are market capitalized weighted, that I think is both a risk but also a potential source yeah, of return. That's right. um, and, and I think looking forward, we'll see changes to the way the indices are created. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a great one in, in Japan, the JPX 400, where the market uh, or, or the weight of those 400 companies is down to things like corporate governance. And it's down to return on equity mm-hmm. and it's re- return on capital rather than what's your market capitalization. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that will create a much more level playing field going forward. And, and that to me is, is a really interesting you know, development. You know, you know, if, if we said the FTSE 100 represents the UK stock market or represents the UK, you know, it, it's, it's a complete fallacy. Mm-hmm. Something like 70 to 80% of the revenue of the companies in the FTSE 100 is not from the UK. So to think you're buying the UK and buying the FTSE 100, you're at complete loggerheads to each mm-hmm. other. That's right. um, so you know, if, if you want UK exposure, because you, you, let's say you're a top-down investor and you're thinking of the macro,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you should really go down the market cap scale to the mid-cap and the small-cap. But mm. the mid-cap and the small-cap generally have more risk yeah. because they're smaller, less liquid, yeah, yeah less companies. Exactly, exactly, exactly,
0: yeah. So you know, less proven in the market as the big ones. They have history. They have sort of market positioning. But the smaller ones more risky. But yet the return is better.
1: Well, 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 yeah. I mean, the, the long-term, uh, yeah, Horvath, yeah. Um, Studies, mm-hmm. or numerous studies as they mm-hmm. are, w- would suggest that, you know, if, if you'd have been, you know, the £100 invested mm-hmm. in 1955, you know, mm-hmm. all, all of those sort of things is much better being in the small cap mm-hmm. companies. Um, and obviously, it's much easier for a small cap company to, to double in size or double in profits than, than a large cap company. And, and, and actually, off the back of that, again, you know, going, going back to points earlier of, of, you know, what is success and looking at investments going forward, you know, it's much easier for a smaller company to change, than it is for a larger company to change. So we have got this big uh, driver at the moment with regards to um, you know, the, the, the wider ESG, you know, the environment, the social, and, and the governance side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's much easier for a, a new business today setting up um, to not have all the legacy issues that big companies have or, mm-hmm. or older companies have. So, so newer companies can be not only more nimble but they can be much more appealing to a newer set of clients as well,
0: and do you think, given we touched on ESG, is there a big push do you think from uh, clients to go down that route or how as you as a fund as as a sort of a fiduciary, how do you balance sort of your responsibility to your clients and responsibilities to these undefined metrics now? Is there a conflict is there sort of some something you can uh, tell us about that
1: yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling for words a little bit here, and, and I'm, I'm struggling for words on, on purpose for the fact that, to me, yeah, we're we're wealth managers. You know, we're introduced clients from, uh, from financial advisors, from from intermediaries. We, um, we we don't spend a lot of time talking to you know, Mr and Mrs Smith who are the end you know, yeah. C- consumer. Yeah, and by and large, most people's investing that we do. Is because those investments have been sold, not because they've been bought. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if I if I give you an example, yeah, Let, let's say you know it's a um, it, it's a Saturday night and you've just won a um, hundred thousand on the lottery. The odds are you'll you'll say mm, I'll buy a new house, or I'll, I'll put uh, I'll, I'll reduce the the mortgage on the house, or I'll buy a car, or I'll go on holiday, or whatever the odds are you're not going to think, oh, I should go down and see a financial advisor and invest 100 grand. Mm-hmm. If you won 5 million or 10 million, investing would be something that you'd think of because you know you've got to do that. But 100 grand is, you know, it's a lot of money. Is. But most people would think, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have an extension mm. or I'll, I'll have the kitchen <laughs> done. And And to me... You have to, yeah, it's something you have to be sold. yeah you know, it, it's not something you, oh, you know, I'll, I'll go down, I'll go down and see my finance advisor. I need four thousand a year, so I'll, mm-hmm. if I can buy something on four percent that gives me a four percent yield, and, I, and i'm I'm happy for the rest of my life. doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. So for you to ask the question of, yeah, is it something that people want? It's only certain people that will, will open the door in the first place. Then it's a, a smaller minority of that that will say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in ESG or I'm interested in you know, societal benefit or I'm interested in, uh, you know, in, in ethical or, or low carbon or, or, or gender equality yeah. or, or things like that. And this is where I think there's, there's a major problem with our profession is that it's, only, it's an afterthought. And to go back to you know, an earlier question of, of where things are changing and, and how things are going to go forward, um, in the UK, I love the whole auto-enrolled pension bit. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the whole slow nudge. You, know, you get in, you invest, you invest, you invest, yeah, you invest. And, and, and before you realise it, you actually have an investment and you, you've got a, a pot that you can do something with. Um, again, it, you know, and, 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 a, and another line I heard... And most people, yeah, they'll earn X amount, and then they'll, they'll put, up, put whatever away for, their, for their, their mortgage, and they'll put whatever away for their, their council tax, and, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth, and, and yeah, they'll, they'll have their spending money. And then what it, what's at the end? They might think about setting up a regular savings plan. But if they haven't got it, oh, well, we yeah. won't invest it.
0: They pay for the expenses first, you're saying, yeah. and then they invest. But what should they, they should the do, should
1: be the other way around, is yeah. put money into investing, yeah. and then do whatever outside of that um and it, it's it's the, the whole you know richard thaler and a nudge scenario mm-hmm. um if you do it and you get into that mm-hmm. repetitive cycle mm-hmm. then then there's every opportunity
0: so what lessons can, do you think you can you can teach the average investor the average you know, nuclear family about saving and investing money seeing you do it for the, the 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 bigger boys yeah are there any lessons that you can extrapolate for for those uh, th- those people
1: it's exactly the same whether whether you're saving you know 50 pounds a month whether you're saving yeah 5 million a month mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's having a plan. It's knowing your short, medium, and longer term goals. Mm-hmm. It's knowing that economies don't always go up in a straight line. It's knowing that stock markets are volatile. It's knowing that you know, emerging markets are more volatile than general stock markets, but there is a risk and return profile and some goes up and some go down. Mm-hmm. It's about having a diversified base. Um, you know, and To me, I think of stock market, you know, similar to you know, going into a supermarket. If you buy the same bread and the same meal every single time, mm-hmm. it you get the same thing every single time. Yeah, that's right. But if you if you know every now and then, you know if you take a a, a trip down the the aisle, the aisle that sells wine, and you've got to buy one get one free
0: that's you've opened yourself up to absolutely. opportunity yeah
1: and and yeah you, know, you might not want to drink both bottles on the same night, yeah, but you've actually made an investment you've that's bought right. that w- bought two lots of wine and you've actually can yeah. put something away and drink it later mm-hmm. and you're like, well, you know what i got this one free so
0: do you think people need do you think people need to be more actively responsible over their own you know financial destinies as opposed to relying on external factors to to nudge them into negative directions I uh, think there's a lot of advertising against sort of intelligent responsible investing a or is that just an excuse for most people? A well, people?
1: a well thought out plan is fine. You know, it, having a long term horizon. You know, t- to me, risk can be measured on so many different measures. You know, people say, "Oh, cash is a low risk investment."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but if you put all your money in cash today and expect it to be worth a lot more in thirty or forty years' time, and keep up with the value of inflation, or keep up with the value of, of you know. Uh, anything else then actually cash is a very very high risk strategy um you know a, a low risk strategy if you've got a 40 year time horizon could well be investing in emerging and frontier markets mm-hmm. because in 40 years time these emerging markets will have emerged that's
0: right <laughs> finally yeah <laughs> eventually
1: and, you know I, I mean i you think back to the uk which is you know, a first world country allegedly um <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember growing up and, and, and knowing that we had a, you know, there was the three-day week and there was power cuts. And, you know, if, if we had, well, we have relatives in the US that, you know, my dad used to have to phone up the the telephone exchange and say, I want to speak to my, my brother in, in New York um, on Wednesday at 8 o'clock, please. Yeah. You know? The world's changed so much. Absolutely. It's so and, much. And, and, yeah we we were a first world country then and we apparently we're a first world country today. But, you know, things have changed. Yeah. Um, you know, the... You know, I, I was with a, a fund manager last week who who focuses on investing in in Vietnam, and you know, Vietnam's a country with a hundred million people. Um, you know, that is twice the or almost twice the size of the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a very well populated, uh, very young populated population that's well educated. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think you know the opportunities there are immense? Mm-hmm. You know, let's not you know, I I can honestly put my hands in the air and say I'd never heard of Wuhan until a month ago. <laughs> And Wuhan's got 14 million people in it. Yeah, the, yeah and I, I did some some rough numbers this morning, actually, for, for a, uh, a report I was writing. And, and 14 million people is the population of London and Scotland. That's right. And yeah, I'd never heard of it. You know, so... There's it, so much opportunity out there absolutely, to really learn about. Yeah, but, but going back to the whole to point, it, it's making a plan, it's sticking to that plan, right. knowing that emerging markets can be risky in yes. the short term, mm-hmm. but the odds are that they're going to be less risky in the long run. Mm-hmm. The same way that cash, which is not risky, if it's a long run, can yeah. be very, very risky. You know, there isn't one correct way of building a that's portfolio. Right. There isn't one correct way. Um, you know, you might have been lucky, you know, six weeks ago buying you know, Tesla shares at, a, at 400 and selling them at 900 three weeks later or whatever. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, but as I said, that's lucky. Um, the stock market is a it's a weighing machine and it's a voting machine it takes an awful long time for you to get the returns that you're Mm -hmm. looking for and there are short-term wins but there's also short-term losses Mm -hmm. Um, but by and large if you're willing to build a diversified and balanced portfolio that's Mm -hmm. willing to accept the risk that you're willing to accept then given the long run, you know, you should do very, very well. So that, that's regardless of whether it's a regular savings plan yeah. or whether it's a long-term investment.
0: Do you think this is something that I'm going to track back to your experience for, but I remember when I was uh, at uh, university for my master's at UCL and we had a careers day and we had sort of diplomats from the, from the foreign office and other departments of, of government come in to speak about their experience. And because we were obviously studying foreign policy and theory, and we studied all these theorists, all these different kinds of academics about how the world functions or how it should function in their eyes. I, I asked one of them, I said, how much do you rely on these academics to, f- to shape your foreign policy, to shape the, f- the response of the UK? And they said, without hesitation, we don't use any of them, which really took me back and I thought, we're studying all, all of these things, but in reality, they're not being applied in the way that we're taught. Yeah. In terms of the investment world, you know, people like Markowitz, for example, who is sort of a legend in sort of portfolio uh, uh, management. Do you, as an active investor now, managing over a billion uh, under management, do you go back to academic theories of uh, portfolio allocation when coming up with your strategies, or is it more sort of practical uh, life experience that dictates how you go? It's both,
1: um, and it has to be both. You, you've got to have um, a very cynical side uh, in the way that you look at work in the way that you look at investing in the way that you think of yeah, today tomorrow and, and so on and so forth um you know i, I remember you know I, I studied financial services at, at, at university I was one of those um people that always wanted to get into this um, in, into this career mm-hmm. and and I remember yeah, an, an article you know by by dimson um who said you ninety three percent of total returns are achieved by asset allocation they 're not choosed by stock selection. Mm -hmm. Now, depending on how you look at that, you could say, well, you know what, I could buy the very best cash fund or I could buy the very worst emerging market fund. And 40 years later, because my asset allocation was to make emerging markets versus cash Mm -hmm. rather than the very best versus the very worst of the cash funds or emerging market funds, you could argue that, you know, that that research is is quite flawed. Mm Um, but it does make you realize that you know, when you're weighing, weighing it all up, you've also got to think of you know, what is the risk of investing in emerging markets versus the risk of investing in cash, and what are you defining as risk? Um,
0: risks as well you mentioned. But yes. Is. Not only one type of risk. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And you know, we are very keen here in saying it's risks management rather than risk management. Yeah, 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 right. um, because if, if your view is that you don't want to lose any capital, then yeah, buying, a, buying a government debt instrument at launch and holding it to redemption, you're not going to lose any capital. No way. Yeah, the UK government will not renege on, on a, a, a conventional guilt. But if your objective is to achieve 5% income, mm-hmm. you're never going to do it. So yeah, it, it's knowing how many goalposts you've got, how many yeah, targets you are to achieve, what, what the objectives are. And off the back of that, that can help you, yeah, positively or negatively design or, or build your portfolio around that, which, which does make um, the the practicalities of of what's happening in real life versus the, um, the I don't want to say stale environment that that academia is because the, it isn't. There's a lot of interesting, new, different things coming out of there. You know, and, you know to use, uh, going back to Tesla again, you know. Elon Musk came out with the old Hyperloop scenario a couple of years ago, but actually that wasn't that was an academic project from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. He just yeah picked it out. I mean I've I've read the the document; it's quite interesting. Um, but you know, th- there's a lot of people come up with with nice ideas, and and to use the the Ronald Reagan line that you know, economists work uh, it, it works well in theory, but does it work well in Good practice? practice? Um, yeah, you've got to blend them both together because again, there isn't one correct answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking of which, we have another saying we have in the office of, yeah, the answer seven, what's the question? Yeah. And, and the reason we have that is because there isn't one correct answer. If there was one correct answer when it comes to investing, everyone would have that correct answer. That's right. And the investing industry wouldn't exist. You know, the, the reason why there isn't just one passive fund, yeah, and, and a passive fund is actually designed by a computer, um, and yet they all give you different returns because they all slightly change mm-hmm. something along the way. And it's not just down to, to cost and it's not just down to, you know, to, um, uh, to timing or, or mm-hmm. pricing of that. You know, everyone is slightly different. And because everyone is slightly different, you've got a market. And because mm-hmm. you've got a market, you've got buyers and sellers. And you've got different people taking different views. And, and again, back to the whole you know, eBay and, and the, the, you know, the stock market you know, being a, a, a market where you've got different buyers and different sellers. They're in there for different reasons as well. I mean, my, my time horizon might be different to yours. That's right. And therefore, your view of risk might be different to mine. Um, and, and because of that, we do have to, to think very, very carefully. Um, as I say, a- academia works very, very well. Mm. It gives you lots of ideas, but you do have to measure that up or weigh that up against the, the practicalities of, you know, well, does it, work, day, yeah. does it work does in, work in reality.
0: reality? That's right. Do you, do you find, Richard, as um, now as sorry, you're being a CIO, you mentioned you interview... A long a long part of time is interviewing fund managers do you see as you grow into your role more and more is there a change in psychology or mentality between the fund managers of your day when you first got started up and sort of people today are there more are they more ambitious are they more greedy are they less are they less um, uh, willing to take losses are they more risk averse what kinds of tra- traits do you see these new guys or new girls coming up with now that you didn't see before which are good and bad
1: wow that's a great question actually um I would suggest and, and this is off the top of my head, I would suggest the first thing that that would jump out at me is the professional qualifications okay um you know, i I remember you know twenty odd years ago talking to a fund manager and you know you, you're getting to understand who they are what they do how they do it um and and yeah what did you do at university and he did a degree in zoology yeah and you thought well what's that doing in a what's that going to do
0: with investment right
1: and, and and yeah i mean nothing wrong with that at, sure. at all but you know today you will you will not meet a fund manager under the age of 30 who doesn't have the CFA qualification mm-hmm. that has probably not been to a economics degree or a a, a financial degree or a, you know Something along those lines, yeah, it, it seems that you've got that in you and you, you professionally go into it. You know, you, you won't meet someone who hasn't got a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a good thing or a bad thing, do you think? I don't know. The, uh,
0: the extreme specialis- uh, specialization, is that a good thing for the industry? Or that, do you think they're missing out on different flavors of, of life experience? I,
1: I think you are missing out, yeah. You've know, you, you probably picked up on the fact that I like using analogies and, and yeah, a lot of sayings. Um, and, and one of the other ones that I, I love is, if if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, if you're a, if you're a, a, a research analyst only covering the UK, the answer is the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that that, that is right. Yeah, you know, Tesla is an American business based in America. Um, unless you're covering, you know, if, if you're doing, if you're an automobiles expert, you've got to know what's going on globally. Um, and but yeah, because you're an automobiles expert doesn't mean that you're going to be a technology expert. And to me, Tesla is a technology business that's wrapping itself around you know, vehicular yeah. movement, mm-hmm. um, rather than necessarily you know, a, a, a car company sure. that's wrapping itself around yeah, battery technology. Sure, sure. And uh, and if you are such a specialist, you do get quite blinkered. Yeah. You know, you know, with us b- building diversified portfolios. You know, if your pie is 100 and you want to put something in f- and you think that oh, it's going to go in at a 5% weight or a 10% weight, mm-hmm. you've got to take something out that's 5% or 10%, mm-hmm. and you've got to think about what are the the known and unknown risks of taking that 5% out mm-hmm. or that 10% out. Yeah. Yeah. We talked a little bit earlier about you know me being a football fan, and I, I like to think of you know, analogies in, in footballing terms as well. You know. Let's hear them. Goalkeepers don't score goals. That's right. But you would have a goalkeeper on the pitch. They play
0: the position.
1: Absolutely, and and you know, so measuring a goalkeeper's skill set against an attacker's skill set yeah. is not the same. So you, know, metrics. You, you look you look at the league tables, and it's all about goals scored and goals let in. Yeah, it, it doesn't say anything about completed passes. It yeah. doesn't say anything about possession. It doesn't say anything about how many injuries you've had, or mm-hmm. average age of your player, mm-hmm. or or how long the yeah. players have been with you, or how long they've got left on their contract. Yeah, yeah. It's all about goals for and goals against. Very
0: reductionist in their approach.
1: Yeah. Um, and and if you only look at you know goals scored it doesn't tell you how many goals you've let in it doesn't it doesn't say whether you had one bad game and let eight goals in or whether you've played eight goals and let mm-hmm. you played eight games and not let any goals in mm-hmm. um or you've let one goal in per per game mm-hmm. so again you know unless you are having a a wider mindset and looking at different angles uh, you you've got to consider you know again the the complexity and the dynamism that is investing, um, and, and knowing that there are certain risks uh, alleged, uh, associated mm-hmm. to all of that.
0: So do you think that, that's a, well, that was a good ex- explanation on that point, do you think sort of it would be better for some entry-level you know, analysts to perhaps get life experience in other fields, in other industries first? Because do you think sometimes when people come into the investing world, they expect to be presented with a certain kind of atmosphere, a certain kinds of, kind of problems. Whereas if they were to work in different industries and then come into it maybe at a later stage in life, they have a more global, more mature view of how the world works. I give the example of when I was a lot younger, I really wanted to, to become an actor, and I was, uh, you know, I was being involved in a lot of plays and short films and feature films. But then when it came time to acting school, they, they said, you know, we typically take people with more life experience because then you can pull on that in your performance. Do you think there's some sort of uh, similarity in that logic in the, your world as well?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, going back to your, your point earlier about how how have things changed. Um, we yeah, we we will talk to people and they'll say, you know, you know I, I I won't use names, but but I know one company that will only employ um, people straight out of university, and they have to go to either Oxford or Cambridge. Mm-hmm. It, it's that simple. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, you talk to people and they say, oh, yeah, we, you know, we employed X, Y, Z, uh, or we only, um, we only bring people on who are on our graduate scheme because we can train them and we can mold them from day one into round. our way of thinking. Yeah. Um, I think challenge is quite good. I, I quite like the idea of of saying, well, what about this? And if you've got yes men around you all the time, you don't need them. You actually want someone to stand up and say, well, yeah. this is a different view, or have you thought of, of, of this angle? Mm-hmm. Um and you know there there are people who who will um who, who will praise the fact that they've brought in someone from a different company and who's got a different outlook. way of thinking and, and and a different outlook which is great um but then there are just as many who say you know you know we've got the the xyz way of doing things mm-hmm. um and we don't want people who are tainted by d- different ways mm. um and t- to me that that's wrong you know you've got to be open and you've got to be aware of different risks mm-hmm. you've got to be aware of yeah you know, there isn't one correct way mm-hmm. you've got to be aware that that life can throw completely different curveballs at you um you know and, and i i think of you know some of these very very specialist markets you know, you know understanding you know drug manufacturers for for some of these biopharmaceutical businesses mm-hmm. yeah you know, it, surely it makes sense that you have someone who's got a medical background. Um, you know, s- s- you know, in in technology, surely it makes sense that someone's done some systems analysis, mm-hmm. or they they've they they know how to program, or they know what's going on, rather than just looking at report and accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you tend to find in, uh, you know, let's say the the private equity space. Mm-hmm. That the partners of the private equity businesses generally have a much more broad academic background or life background or life experience.
0: Is that because they came from a generation which you didn't have to be as specialised because markets were a lot simpler? Now they're much more you know specific. They're a lot more uh, you need more training. Is that why, or is it because people now feel as if they need to have certain kinds of training because that's what they think the market demands of them? Uh, I
1: I think yes and no in in equal measure. You know, it's it's one of those situations where yeah, again there isn't one correct answer there isn't one correct way of thinking about it and because there isn't that um to me diversity helps mm-hmm. and diversity helps in so many d- different ways and, and, and it's not just the way that um yeah, the the government are thinking about diversity um and yeah it, and it's not just the way of you know I don't know, lots of companies, you read their policies on lots of different things. And a lot of them, they just pay, you know, uh, lip service to. And a lot of companies will be doing lots of different things for lots of different reasons. Um, whether they, again, you know, whether they be ESG or whether mm-hmm. it just be, yeah, profit maximization. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those scenarios where and unless you do have that, 360 view Mm -hmm. you can't really drive forward Mm -hmm. um yes you can you can make informed decisions but how how correct are they i mean are Mm -hmm. you are you roughly right or are you precisely Mm -hmm. right are you or are you roughly right and precisely wrong you know it's one of those yeah and and that's the same with with politics that's the same with life Mm -hmm. um that's the same with investment yeah
0: do you think there's certain uh you know how easy would it be for someone sort of halfway through their career to then switch into investment. Surely there needs to be some sort of uh, degrees or certain things that you need to have as a basic before getting into it. Not anyone could just jump into it, especially these days with such specialization. As you mentioned, uh, anyone under 30 would have a a a CFA uh, uh, diploma or, or certificate the three different levels so they're very specialized mm. in that would you need to have something like this to enter into it or can someone with an experience in manufacturing or automobiles then jump into a fund that deals in that uh, in that commodity uh,
1: again it could be you know, as I said yeah you, know, you, you tend to find that in in the private equity world where it's much more you know someone's worked in the in, in the pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. world so they are a pharmaceuticals analyst and and, and and they do that um, it, it's very difficult um, regardless of, of what your career has been to to leave company a uh, unless you're in the industry to start with you know to leave company a on on a friday mm-hmm. start on come in company b mm-hmm. on a monday and say you oh, know well, all of a sudden i'm now you know the the technology expert mm-hmm. or, or the pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. expert or the motor expert or you know consumer goods experts yeah. or whatever um you can do you know the cfa for instance um outside of you know, you, you could be a, a, a botanist and decide that you want to be in investments and mm-hmm. whatever as well. But um, I, I don't know whether eleven thousand people every six months sitting in the Excel Centre sitting the CFA um, brings in diversity that that you need. You know, if what if, does then um, a, a healthy cynicism, Okay. a, um, a a willing and listening boss, or people who work with you that, yeah. that actually give you the opportunity, um, but then also a a, a a healthy and willing client bank mm-hmm. who are willing to give you time.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, All stars need to align basically for something like that to happen. Y- yeah, or the majority of stars at least.
1: Yeah, but you know you've got to remember as well that we work in a regulated industry. Um, you know, if, if you yeah, know my 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 father who ran a transport business. If he decided he wanted to be a fund manager, the regulation wouldn't allow him to mm-hmm. be because he hadn't proven what, where, when or how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hasn't got the regulation, hasn't got the, the, the test, hasn't, hasn't done the, you know, the CPD, blah, 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 mm-hmm. doesn't really know. And off the back of that, you know, that, that does provide some degree of, of protection for those investing. Mm-hmm. But if everyone has to sit the same exams, they are likely to think in exactly the Seven same minutes. way.
0: Is that because the exams are shaped for you to have a certain outlook on, on the world? I had a friend of mine who, who, who completed, like, I don't know what le- le- level it was of, the, of the, the, the CFA training. He spent months and months revising for yeah. it, but he's a very unique character because he studied biomedical science and he jumped into <coughs> investing. He could have cured cancer but he went into sort of yeah. managing money, which you know, it's interesting to see how people from these backgrounds jump into this uh, industry. But do you think these exams need to perhaps change to reflect a more diverse outlook on what the world really is? Or are these just sort of rubber stamps, really? It
1: probably is the the rubber stamp scenario. Okay. It, yeah, you, you've proven yourself. Therefore, you can you can do it. But do just it because right. you you're good at sitting exams yeah, doesn't necessarily right. mean you're going to be a good you're good out in the field a good you know, yeah practitioner. Yeah. Um, I I remember sitting down with a a very successful fund manager a few years ago, and we were talking about the CFA and the fact that there were you know tens of thousands of people. You know, and when I say eleven thousand people in the Excel Centre. How many are doing it in in Frankfurt? How many are doing it in New York? How many are doing it in Tokyo? How many, do, you know, um And you know, we, we're talking about these um, the, these analysts. And I, I believe me, I don't want to belittle the the, the work because to to get the, the equivalent of the CFA is the equivalent of doing a master's degree. Mm-hmm. It, there's an awful lot of time and an awful lot of effort and an awful sure. lot of work that needs to be done to to do that. And I you know, take my hat off to to everyone that's done it. Um, but the guy said to me. Um, Analysts these days are very, very good at three things, mm-hmm. and obviously my ears pricked up to that. So oh, okay, what's that then? He said, cut, copy, and paste. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and when you get groupthink,
2: yeah.
1: you get different risks because if everyone's built the same spreadsheets with the same models, taking the same data from Bloomberg all at the same time, and then all of a sudden a, a signal says sell, mm-hmm. and everyone hits the sell button yeah. at the same time, you then get that groupthink that says boom, yeah. and and you exacerbate a different risk. Mm. Um, and that to me is is a is a concern and can be a concern. Um, you know, one one thing that we do, you know, we don't buy the the, the shares of, of companies directly or the debt of companies directly. We buy uh, mutual funds. you Yeah, a fund of uh, funds. That's right. Yeah, we 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 buy collective investments.
0: So, people who may not know what that is, could you give a quick uh, breakdown of what a fund of fund is? Yeah. Well,
1: well, a a a fund manager, and, and let's say they work for um, Jupiter, because Jupiter's in the news today, having just bought a, a business called Merion. Uh, let's say the, the, the fund manager of the Jupiter UK Growth Fund uh, will build a portfolio of stocks based in the UK. Uh, he'll do that in, in his own unique way, whether that be only buying large cap companies or small cap companies or companies with the letter K in their name. Yeah, makes no difference. Whatever it is. Uh, whatever it is yeah. And they build a portfolio. Uh, and that portfolio gets unitized um, and a daily price is created on, on that. So rather than buying one share in BP, uh, you as the investor, you buy uh, you know, the investment in Jupiter UK Growth, and Jupiter UK Growth, the fund manager will will buy shares in in lots of different UK-based companies and create an, a, a portfolio of that. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what a fund manager does. Me as a funder, fund manager. I build a portfolio of companies like Jupiter UK Growth, and I might merge that with uh, or, or mingle that with a company with, with something from Miton or something from uh, Henderson mm-hmm. or something from Fidelity and build a portfolio of funds yeah. rather than a, a, a single fund itself.
0: Yeah, what you mean. And that presents different challenges to yourself because you need to make sure that the fund manager knows... What they're doing, and you trust in their logic and their and their application.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, to me, a you know, a fund manager is a player, a fund a fund manager is the, manager of the, the team. manager of the team. That's right. So you know, a, an attacker has a different skill set to a to a left back, to a goalkeeper, to a yeah. defender, to a midfielder. Uh, and I, it's my job to try and build yeah, the, the most suitable team yeah. for, for the objectives of, of the game that you're playing.
0: And how much imp- influence do you have on what stocks or what companies the funds actually buy into? Do you have any sway or any sort of input into that? Or is it are you sort of cleanly separated from their decision making
1: completely removed so so we you know if if i if i sat down with the the fund manager of the jupiter uk growth fund and Mm -hmm. said oh i think you've got too much in bp Mm -hmm. he's going to say well sell my fund yeah he's not going to say oh well i'll reduce it because you're an investor that's right um so you know it's up to me to decide whether the style and the approach and the philosophy that that fund manager takes is suitable for the way that we look at portfolios and the way that we build portfolios for our clients and
0: how do you decide on whether a certain fund manager is worth investing into are there certain metrics that you use to find out where their mindset is how they think about risk and investment what their viewpoint on the world is how do you come to a conclusion that this person or that person is better suited than someone else
1: it's a mixture of um, number crunching okay. it's a mixture of experience it's a mixture of fundamental research mm-hmm. uh, it's a mixture of what else is out there as an alternative? Um, and it's also a, a mixture of talking to the other guys in the team mm-hmm. to say, you know, do we like this? Do we not like it? Mm-hmm. Should it be incorporated? Does it, does it have diversification benefits? Can we blend it with other things to get, get us, you know, where we want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess, you know, this kind of circles back to, to the very first question of, you know, the future and, and where, it, where is investment going? there is most definitely a mixture of um, human versus computer. Um, you know, our, our investment universe is about 40,000 collective investments. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're a FTSE UK fund manager investing in the FTSE 100, your, your investment universe is 100 companies. Mm-hmm. My investment universe is 40,000. So simply put, I cannot go out and interview 40,000 fund managers on mm-hmm. a constant basis. And, and neither can my team. You know, we haven't, there isn't a team out yeah. there big enough to do that or, or profitable enough that, that, that would do that. So yeah, I'm quite happy to put my hands in the air and say, we do screening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we will look for yeah, uh, lots of different factors to say whether this fund should be con- considered or shouldn't be considered or, or go into a short list. And, and we do that through, um, through creating filters, looking for managers who have the ability um, to deliver what we're looking for. And ultimately, what we're looking for is consistency. And consistency is an incredibly subjective word. Um, what you might think is consistent, you know, if you said, well, outperformance over 10 years doesn't necessarily mean that you've outperformed every single year. You know, the, the quickest marathon runner doesn't necessarily run the quickest mile every mile. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we want to do is we, we want to find which managers are consistent according to lots of different factors, Metric whether that 10. be risk or performance or volatility or, or drawdown or, or various different, you know, technical factors. Um, because what we want to do is we want to buy managers who we believe are skillful mm. rather than lucky. And there are an l- awful lot of lucky fund managers out there. You know, as I said, you, know, you only needed to buy some shares in Tesla yeah. uh, at the beginning of the year and your numbers are going to look brilliant. Exactly. But how much of that is skill and how much of that yeah. is luck? You know, yeah, If you can continue to do it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, this then circles back to the whole active versus passive debate. Lots, lots of people will say, well, there aren't that many successfully skillful fund managers. Yeah. So therefore, if I just buy the index and buy it passively and buy it cheaply, I can do that, and therefore I don't have to worry about the the you know the quote skill of an individual fund manager because different time periods and different you know me- metrics and different mm. measures and different economic cycles mean different things at, for different people at, at different
0: measures. And would your fund invest in sort of ETFs or these kinds of passive funds? Yes, as, we do. as a blend of, of of what you do.
1: Absolutely, we do. Um, and we do have a number of um, investors who, who uh, you know, grant us mandates, and they say, you know, uh, here, here's a lump of money. Uh, at least, I not know, 30%, 50%, 60% has to be in passive investments. So they tell you? Oh, a number do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, we, we, are, you know, we know that passive investing is cheap. Yeah. Uh, we know that you know, if, you're, if you want exposure to the FTSE 100, mm-hmm. The best way of doing it is by getting an exposure to the FTSE 100 through an ETF or through yeah. an index fund. Um, and and you, you know that you're, you're getting the, the return of the FTSE 100. Yeah. You know that you're getting the risk of the FTSE 100. And a lot of clients are saying, "Well, you know what? I- I'll play the long-term growth mm-hmm. of the UK economy through. Mm-hmm. Not that it is, as we've already discussed on that. Yeah, it's not necessarily the UK economy, but actually, I want exposure to the FTSE 100, and I want it as cheaply and as, as, as possible. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. The thing that you know, the, the last time we spoke about, we spoke about geopolitical risk." and in the work that i do there's four things that i feel as if will change and challenge the world the next in the next for businesses at least in the next 100 years that includes geopolitical risk globalization transformative technology and societal change in your assessment of of investment out of these four how would you rank from the most important to perhaps maybe not the least important the, the least relevant perhaps in your in your circumstance as a funder fund manager which one do you think you care about the most to the one that you would do without if uh, if need be. I I would love to have a hundred year time horizon. Um, <laughs> I think that would be the first thing to say. Um,
1: I think geopolitics is probably the least important okay. over the long run. Okay. But probably the most important in the short run. Short run. Okay. Um, you know, I, I I think back a few years ago when Premier uh, Xi Jinping got into um, into power, and his first trip to the U.S., he stopped off to see Bill Gates before he stopped off to see President Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that goes to show the power of corporations and mm. the power of businesses before the power of politicians and mm. the power of, you yeah, know, that leaders. Um, wh- when I um, uh, was doing my degree, I did a year working for Unilever. Okay. And in my um, uh, induction program, uh, the you know, someone stood up from from the HR team and, and she said, um Unilever's GDP, uh, sorry, Unilever's turnover, turnover is bigger than the GDP of Portugal. So you think well actually if I was going to do business, yeah, in, in you yeah, in that is is the CEO of Unilever more important than the prime minister or president yeah. of of Portugal? Portugal. And then you think well, yeah, again, let's look at some of these, you know, businesses out there, you know, there's four businesses in in the US with a market capitalization of greater than a trillion dollars. That's right um yeah that's that's quite powerful power, you know, Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah th- there's a lot of b- money there there's a lot of people involved there's a lot of things that can can change you know, and you, you only need you know le- le- let's say yeah, you know, microsoft decide um that they want to move out of seattle mm-hmm. that could have massive impacts on not just that that city but mm-hmm. that state and and you know who's going to benefit from mm-hmm. it. So, you know, th- there's a lot of things there that, that are probably more important than saying we're going to put a new train service in mm. or we're going to in- increase taxes or reduce taxes mm-hmm. can, can have a, a really big impact. So geopolitical risk, I think, is, is is least important over the long run. I think it's probably very yeah. important in the short run. And, and you yeah, know, we, we've certainly seen that in the last 12 or 18 months between the US and,
0: and China mm-hmm. with, their, with their trade talks. Do you think geopolitical risk matters more in the emerging markets as opposed to more established economies? Um, or do you see now with Brexit and other factors that it's becoming it's creeping in there as as a bigger concern? It, it is getting important certainly,
1: um, and the the fact that we've got a lot of global unrest and you know the the jaunes movement and you know what's going on in in Hong Kong at the moment as well mm-hmm. is. Um, uh, is, is a scenario which, which can cause upset you know I, i've been talking to fund managers who are saying you know we are based in hong kong but we're thinking of moving to singapore mm. because actually we can't see the these issues going away um and i know why you know the 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 uh, unrest is there and i understand what's going on in in um in france i understand Yeah, you know, the the occupy movement uh yeah uh, you yeah, know the Extinction Rebellion, mm. yeah, they've all got lots and lots of things that that are positive and negative, and you know, and it does make companies and it does make individuals think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, there's a lot of when you've got unrest, you've got opportunity to to capitalise, but you've also got opportunities to change. Um, we've we've never seen a a scenario in my my you know, <laughs> history in my reading where the amount of of change that's going on in such a short compressed time driven by lots and lots of different factors you know we're, we're at a, a stage where there are less people dying through war mm-hmm. but there's more unrest because of you know people n- not believing that there's um, uh, a, a, an e- equilibrium in the world and mm-hmm. you know the, the, the rich are taking too much and yeah. you know there's not enough being given back and what about taxation and, and you know
0: um, the breakdown of, of, of various civil mm-hmm. Um, scenarios, yeah, civil we, order, yeah, yeah, and, and, and disenfranchisement with the politics and sort of the the status quo right now.
1: Absolutely, but but then, what, what's to say that Western capitalism is right? What's to say that that the communism or the communism that that China's in at the moment is wrong? Yeah, or what's saying that you know that you know at the end of the day, everybody wants as much as they can for as little as they as, yeah. as they're willing to pay, um, and you know you do need some kind of global thinking mm-hmm. uh, and this is where i think politics um is changing and this is where technological bit and, and society yeah. you know so i, I think your, your four
0: points are actually very good but they're also very interconnected as where well i was going to say I was say, how do you sort of define because obviously they're all very connected technology can affect society society can affect politics politics can affect globalization in whichever order you want to put it in
1: absolutely and you know and you know, <laughs> it, let's say you've written a, a piece of computer program, mm. and, and you've written that in in your bedroom in in I don't know, Hertfordshire. Um, that can have global impact, but where does that impact the the taxation that gets paid? Where mm. you know, Am- Amazon have done nothing wrong by setting up businesses based in Luxembourg and mm. Ireland. Um, it feels ethically not right because mm. they're paying a different level of tax because there's there's things that have been sold in in the UK. Therefore, you know. Um, but the world has changed. You know, borders aren't as, as fixed as they were. Very really fluid now, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, you know, companies, and, and we saw this again a few years ago with um, the, um, uh, the, the, the tax um, inversions that, that a lot of um, pharmaceutical businesses were doing, where they were, you know, th- there was a lot of US businesses buying businesses based in the UK and, and Ireland. And then moving their head office, and all of a sudden they're now a, a European business, and yeah. therefore paying a lot less tax. Um, and again, they could do that legally. Um, transfer pricing and transfer, these kind of exactly, um, and that yeah, you, you've got the, the world has got to think beyond their own border, yeah. and they've got to think about beyond their own border not only economically and not only from a, from a taxation perspective, but you know, global climate change yeah. is a global issue. That's right. Yeah, just because, you know, someone doesn't sign up to the Kyoto Agreement, yeah. Doesn't mean they're not affected by it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I love what's going on in California at the moment, off the, off the back of that, you know, that Trump has, has changed a lot of the um, emissions sort of scenario. And California said, no, we're going to stick to what we've done, thank you very much. We're going to carry on doing that because yeah. we're seeing it as the benefit for the, the rest of the world yeah. rather than just what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that, that's a little bit, bit of, you know, the old corporate um, rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if, if, again, you know, using, you know, Extinction Rebellion and, and looking at the the global, you know, the, the one and a half degrees, we've got to collectively pull together. Mm. Um, we've got to do an awful lot for it. Um, we've got to do it individually, but we also have to be kind of led by government as well. Mm. The, you know, you've got to force change. Um and yeah, th- this also goes back to the nudge scenario we are talking about earlier, with regards to, to investing and saving for, for the long run. Mm-hmm. Today's issues, um, I mean, I, I, I heard a great line, yeah, the, the best way, or the best time to, to affect you know, climate change was 20 years ago. The <laughs> next best time is now. Um, but then tomorrow that'll be exactly, yeah. yeah and know. and you know, sometimes you do have to take a, a global stance, and sometimes you have to take a local stance, um and you know to 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 think back to your four four points, mm-hmm. they are all massively intermingled mm-hmm. um but then I also see why some companies or, or some countries who are developing want to to move beyond. Yeah, the the traditional, you know, and let's say telecoms situation. Mm. You know, lo- lots of of African nations are more advanced telecommunication wise yeah. than, than we are.
0: Some have five G already; they've had it for a long yeah. time because they they haven't needed to go through you know, the fixed line yeah. copper wire scenario. They've had to innovate out of necessity as as opposed to doing the generic yeah. kind of.
1: And yeah, you know, and then you look at uh, a country like uh, I won't say Estonia; it, it might be Lithuania or Latvia. I won't say Estonia. Um, they've got the most advanced. You know LinkedIn system going yeah you, know, you only need three signatures. yeah, yeah. You know, which is for, to get it married to get divorced and to buy a house yeah. so yeah and, and exactly so a baby gets born it yeah. goes into the system so straight away. and, and yeah. it's all there you know they, they've got their lovely little mm-hmm. honeycomb you know database mm-hmm. systems that, that are all set up which are, have never been hacked and you know they're much more advanced than than you know the UK or the US or, or, or Western
0: Europe I think you're right I think you're right in the sense that I don't think we've seen as a human race a challenge that demands global cooperation as much as climate change. Absolutely. Because we have nations, bigger nations, which perhaps were the, the main polluters in the past. And now we have emerging nations which want to have the same benefits as those in the past. But now because the mess that they made in the first place, they're telling everyone else to calm down. But this takes a lot of global cooperation. And I think you do it in two ways. You do it through, through organized structures. That is either through government or through companies. Because I think individuals will do as much as they can, but it won't be consistent. You and I walking as uh, civilians on the street, we may have a perception of what we need to do, but unless it's actuated within a framework of company policy or within government policy, then that change will be short term. Yep. And that presents a challenge for, for, for nations which didn't pollute and now want the benefits that we in the West are having, but are told, you know, you need to curb it, which frustrates them and makes them less likely to uh, to buy into the whole scenario.
1: Yeah, absolutely, uh, you know, I, I, I read with, great interest what microsoft are doing yeah in that yeah they want to be carbon negative by 2050
0: didn't bp say the same thing about uh they were in the news a few a few days ago weren't they speaking about that they they want to be carbon neutral or something they they said something like i I,
1: I, to be honest i didn't see that but uh, yeah it's wonderful i mean i I look at you know sustainability reports um and if you go onto bp's website and have a look for their sustainability report it's about a hundred pages thick Mm -hmm. you know so you'd think that yeah bp who are you know yeah, the, the the scourge of the earth when it comes to yeah, fossil fuels and mm. cl- climate change and out the other they are probably doing more about changing climate change than than anyone else mm. um, be, but they're a legacy company they've been around a long time mm. and it takes a long time to change from where they are to where they want to be um, and unless there are government incentives unless there are um a demand from the end user to say, I want green energy, or mm-hmm. I, I'm going to use, you know, a, a, an electric car, mm-hmm. or I'm going to, you know, use, use public transport more, or I'm not going to fly, or I'm going to do whatever, yeah, then you're going to change that. But mm-hmm. then, yeah, you know, collectively, you look at, you know, um, let's say Saudi Arabia and Saudi Aramco, the, the company that's just that's recently listed, Yeah, you know, it, it's got the world's largest oil reserve um allegedly so uh, allegedly so allegedly yes of so. course and yeah we, we've seen some some big change in the numbers over the over the uh, the, the ipo listing yeah, or, yeah. or failed listings or whatever and um <coughs> and that that brown sludge could be worth nothing in a few years time so you know if you're saudi aramco you could think well actually if i just get this out of the ground and sell
0: it at least i've got some revenue coming mm-hmm. in And that's what they want to do. They want to diversify now out of fossil fuels. So let's let's IPO, get the benefits of that, then diversify that capital. Exactly. But you know,
1: at at the end of the day, you could flood the market and reduce the cost of oil so much, Mm -hmm. which actually makes renewable look inefficient again. And and that is is kind of perverse in the delicate dance between supply and demand and what we're willing to pay for. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Fracking is much much cheaper. Yes, you know, the, there's, there's a lot of you know, uh, environmental concern around that. Um, but we all want cheap electricity. Mm-hmm. We all want to be able to, you know, to, to live in nice air-conditioned buildings. We all want to be able mm-hmm. to drive you know, um, you know, cars that are fuel-efficient and, and, and cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there, are, there are lots of other ways of looking at that. So you could say, well, you know, that are they better just to get that money out of the ground? So they can make positive change. Or are they doing things for, for other reasons? You know, and and I, I was talking to, to someone over the, over the weekend. And one, one, one part of the world which is incredibly positive when it comes to um, environmental change mm-hmm. is, is the Nordics. Um, they really want to have... <coughs> um, you know, if you're an investment manager and you want, to in, you, you want the, um, the sovereign wealth funds to invest in you, you've got to pass all of these environmental criteria. Yeah, they will not l- l- t- talk to you or let you say unless you pass certain criteria.
0: But don't you have a problem yourself with that? Just to cut, cut you off there, Richard, aren't these ESG measures, that there's no universally acceptable metrics of these, so how do people oh, do them consistently don't, throughout time? There's a big debate there, isn't there? Oh, from, yeah. from family offices to, to wealth managers to mm. institutional investors. There's no common framework no. That everyone agrees cool. upon. So, how do you do that ethically or responsibly cool. when no one agrees on what it is? L- let me come back to one in a moment. But like, if I could just finish the first bit. Yeah, yeah go ahead. A, l- a lot of, yeah, the Norwegian,
1: let's say the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund, which is going to companies and saying, we can only invest in you if you meet these minimum criteria. Mm-hmm. But the Sovereign Wealth Fund has been funded by
0: fossil fuels. Yeah,
1: you're right there. Yeah. So, you've, got, you've kind of got a perverse bit there. And yeah. I, I understand that. And I think that's very good. But the whole um, ESG and, and your points there about no defined. Definitions mm-hmm. is really, really difficult to understand. Is it frustrating
0: for you as as a manager of money?
1: Um, yes and no, um, because you know a, a lot of the whole ESG scenario is very um, fundamental. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Of, it's it's very subjective. Um, the definitions of E are woolly. The definitions of S are woolly. The definitions of G are woolly. Yeah. Um, and not only are those definitions woolly, the global interpretation of them is very woolly. You know, it's not even called ESG in America, for instance. It's called CSR. Yeah. Um, so social
0: responsible it, investing, right?
1: Uh, corporate and social responsibility. Yeah. yeah. What you've then got is um, because you don't have that joined up thinking. You know, you've then got you know the the UN SDGs. You know the the, the development goals. Yeah. Um, and they've got 17 SDGs, which I think are brilliant. Yeah. But you know, one of them is is on a, on about um, you know, diversity, and they've got one on education. They've got one on, um, uh, you know, fossil fuels and um, mm-hmm. waste and water and so on and so forth. But you know, the definition of education is very different in you know e- emerging countries in Africa than they are in developed countries in in the West. Um, and yeah, it, it's great to have goals, but you know, unless you've got the measurement of those goals, mm-hmm. um, is it about the direction of travel or is it about the travel? Mm-hmm. And, and to go back, yeah, talking about BP, yeah, I was talking to a, a fund manager the other day who invests in, in um, you know, he runs an ethical bond fund, mm-hmm. and we were talking about you know what he does and what he doesn't invest in, and and his first point was I don't invest in government bonds. Because basically every government has uh, a a part where they're spending on defense. And we don't buy weapons of mass destruction. I've heard that before, yeah. Game over. Yeah, I've
0: heard heard this from others.
1: And I understand. And and then I said to him, well, let's talk about a company like BP. It's a bad company because it does fossil fuel burning. But if it was launching a bond to invest in a wind farm, Mm -hmm. is that a good thing? Mm -hmm. Would you invest in it? Mm -hmm. And the answer was, I can't invest in it because they cannot ring fence... That money being yeah. spent on that, and the income that's coming from that, and, and yeah. whatever, yeah so your companies like BP and Shell are completely off the radar
0: of this fund manager, so how do people get over that? How do people, is it important to have common standards or do you think it's a better approach to have a more unique and individual and into what you believe ESG is? <sighs> have um, some sort of principles it's sort of like the u n where people agree in principle but everybody really agree in actuality is that kind of the same principle that we see in e s g uh, for investments
1: yeah and I'm, you know it, it's like re- reading report and accounts you know the, mm-hmm. in in the uh, let's say in the u k um it's very much a case of you can put your report t- accounts together mm-hmm. but you can't do it like this mm-hmm. where you, know, you can do them however you want mm-hmm. but you know, you can't fail on these rules. Whereas if you look in Germany, it says you put your report accounts like this and you yeah. can't do any other uh, way. Yeah,
0: It depends on the country <coughs> and how they define it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so unique to each individual situation. Yes, it, it will be. And you know, I don't have an issue with, with BP
1: saying, you know, we realize we've done bad and we're going to do good in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to come along on the journey with us. Yeah. And, and I, again, I'm all for renewable energy. I think it's absolutely fabulous. I mean, I've got solar panels on my roof at home and I've had them for a decade. <coughs> you know, I I really am quite proactively. You know, I've I've got a hybrid car. You yeah. know, and so you know, I'm, I'm doing my little bit. But um, what I think is one thing. What uh, com- what other people think is a different thing, mm-hmm. and, and and that
0: that creates that that disparity and yeah. that change. But is that good in 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 the, in the beginning stages, so that people can debate it and discuss what the common standard should be? Should there be this debate at such early stage? I think it's healthy, don't you think?
1: Oh, I do. But but I also think that. The, the the dichotomy between E and S and yeah, G. Yeah,
0: they're, they're so broad, they're so individual. Absolutely. In their approaches.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I've, 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 I've been in the press, you know, last year saying that I don't think you know, ESG investing will exist in 20 years' time. Okay. Because it will be fully incorporated. Okay. Uh, not that, you know... that not that won't th- matter. Not, not that it's a current fad or anything. Really? I, you know, I, I I do think, you know, that, that everyone will incorporate it. But... But... I don't think we will see the rise of an E fund or an S fund or a G fund yeah, to any massive extent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I am a, a believer that that change is good and change will, will come yeah. and, and it will drive lots and lots of different markets mm-hmm. in, in lots of different ways. But I'm also a believer that y- you've got to get there in, in your own way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if we turned off oil today, the world would grind to a halt tomorrow. Mm. And that would put the world in a worse position, not a better position.
2: Yeah. Um, Gradual, it needs to be yeah, yeah. And steady.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, for the government to come out and say, yeah, we, we, you cannot have a, a combustion engine car by 2040, now it's 2035, yeah. it might be 2032.
0: It put, puts a lot of pressure on industry. But
1: that's not a bad thing. No? It, it is making, yeah, it's, it's forcing, it's, companies,
0: to forcing change. companies to change. Is that what they, they need? You think, especially the big uh, titans, the sort of the legacy companies need that incentive to change?
1: Yeah, I mean, wh- why, why would you change if you if didn't have happened. to? Yeah,
0: you're right there.
1: Um, You know, and and, we we are seeing, you know, technological change making things better. Mm. You know, fracking didn't, well, I mean, it's it's existed for a long time, Mm. but it's only become successful in the last five or 10 years or so Mm. because of technological Mm. advancement Mm. to make that happen. The technology exists for cars to run without a combustion engine. So, you know what? That makes sense. It, It pollutes less. It does better for the environment. So let's actually yeah. make that
0: change. It's a good time for Tesla to be invested in, th- in them as well and sort of that kind of psychology, that kind of trajectory. More responsible, more eth- I wouldn't call it ethical, I guess. More uh, innovative technologies that help yeah. the world move forward, not only financially but in terms of everything else. Absolutely. Going back to the point on technology though, Rich, what aspect of technology, because you mentioned geopolitical risk, technology, societal change, and globalization. If we were to sort of quantify that or make it more specific to your situation as a, as a CIO, what part of technology do you find important enough to focus on? Is it sort of the changing nature of investment using sort of m- perhaps technology which helps your investment? Is it sort of g- technological trends in which you can invest in? What aspect of te- technology do you find interesting? worth sort of investing time in looking at because obviously technology is everywhere there's innovation everywhere no matter what you look at but what is important for you what can you extrapolate from that term to be important to you and your colleagues uh, so that is a, a a very
1: very good question and one where i think yeah uh, you can't pay uh, you know you, you can't just brush over and say this is a a a, a sweeping mm-hmm. scenario because you know the the if, if I think back to, to my world, you know, my investment universe is mm-hmm. yeah, 40,000 collective investments and so mm-hmm. on. When I first got into this industry in, in, in the mid-90s, um, I used to have a, um, a motorbike courier bring me, um, bring me the data on, on floppy disks. And not that probably anyone would know I what a floppy, floppy disk was. Yeah. And, and I would have to spend two hours installing that data onto my, yeah. on, onto my computer every week. To, to get the new update yeah. and now I get those updates live 24 sure. 7 on a cloud-based system yeah and um, but the quantity of data has improved massively the quality yeah. of the data has improved massively can it mean that I can do my job better absolutely okay but I've got to have had the 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 technical know-how to be able to extract that data mm-hmm. and put it into a, a, a way and manipulate mm-hmm. it in a way that I want to, mm-hmm. to get there. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I've had to come, I've had to become much more technologically minded um, in in the way that I do my work. Um, but the fact is, we have built these systems to look at every single one of those collective investments in a number crunching way, yeah. uh, to, to create a filter, to create a shortlist. And if I'd have wanted to do that shortlist 10, 15, 20 years ago, I'd have probably had to employ a dozen people to do that for me, and they just sit there and number crunch all day, every day, yeah. whereas I can set a couple of macros up on a spreadsheet, you know, uh, extract it from a database, play it around, and, and do whatever. So you know, it's created productivity gains, without a doubt. For sure. <coughs> um, when I talk to fund managers who are investing in companies um, and asking what, what are they interested in you've Mm -hmm. got that fine line between a a a company's capex program in that you know we know that to get from here to there we need to invest y and and the gains will come in two three five years time and that's interesting but you've then got to say well am i willing to to sit by on a a, a zero return and a big capex spend Mm to get the benefits in two or three years time? Or should I say, you know what, I'm not gonna invest until two or three years time and then start to see the benefits. Mm-hmm. And you've got, a, you've got a dichotomy there uh, of regards to, we know companies need to invest to, to get the benefits. Are they going to invest? Or are they gonna sit there and say, oh, my shareholders have say, well, I, in that case, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll walk away and I'll come mm-hmm. back in two years time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, you've got a, a dislocation between the short, medium and longer term mm-hmm. goals. Mm-hmm know um, yeah, we are seeing an awful lot of statistics where um, the average holding period of a company has fallen dramatically yeah um yeah and and yeah with the with the rise of yeah, high frequency trading and this and the other it, you know, many many thousands of stocks are held for you know a, a matter of seconds or milliseconds um, whether that 's good or bad whether that, that's that 's positive or negative for capitalism i i don 't know um, does it make companies think a lot more about The end numbers absolutely, is that doing societal good? I don't know Mm. because that yeah you you, well one you could say well actually we've we've taken twelve people who could have been working and we're not paying for them anymore because they're not working, Um, or it could be that actually. Um, this capital investment that we need to make will make so much benefit in two or three years' time, but we're not going to do it because our investors are saying to us, we need income today or we need yeah. returns today.
0: So is it mostly for you then looking at the companies or the, uh, for you it's the funds that you invest in, but ultimately it's the, it's the companies that the funds that you invest in invest in and seeing how, how sharp the heads of the companies are to exploit technologies that streamline, that make things better, make it easier. Are there certain kinds of industries that do better than others? do you think, or is it dependent on the actual boss of the company or the manager or the MD or whoever it is to implement these changes? Because technology is so available, anyone can use it. Yeah. So uh, what is the, what is the uh, X factor which makes you believe certain companies are doing it better than others?
1: Well, I, I think a lot of that depends on... You mentioned
0: Microsoft, obviously.
1: Yeah, but, but I think a lot of that depends on, on the company itself, um, you know, the size of the company, the industry the company's is in, the, um, the age of the company, the legacy of the company um the the objectives of mm. the company the 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 way the the chief exec uh, and the and the board could well be remunerated
0: mm. um, so who 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 are you most impressed by in terms of company that are doing better than average well, technological innovations and implementations the thing
1: is we're investing in fund managers we're sure. not investing in the end sure, Yeah in, indirectly we're investing in bp but yeah, we're yeah. not you know we're investing in bp via the Jupiter sure, yeah, UK yeah. growth fund manager again um, so you know we we don't get in 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 the, the long dark weeds on that front mm-hmm. yeah we, we're talking to to fund managers to understand how they're putting portfolios together yeah. um so what,
0: what are their what are, the, what are their thinkings then on on the fund managers you, you invest in how do they think about technology and how much of it do you think is useful as opposed to they need to improve um a really difficult question to answer actually okay um but is that because there's so many fund managers you deal with that you can't put everyone in one basket.
1: Yeah and, and yeah you know, that it, it falls back again to the to the ESG So sort of so, yeah, that there's not one clear definition yeah. of, you know I, I would like to think that yeah, the the, the technology technology and the improvements that we've made in, in our business over the last yeah, or, or in my career mm-hmm. Part of that has been because technology has helped me make things improvement, mm-hmm. ma- make those improvements, mm-hmm. but also because I've wanted to make those improvements. Like, yeah, I've spent a lot of time, you know on on Excel training courses. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time trying to work out how to do things better. Yeah, because I've got that that growth mindset, I th- that that intellectual cu- curiosity yeah. behind it, but also because you know I don't want to have twelve people sitting there doing all of this data for me um, when actually. If I did that 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 and that, or if I went on this training course, or if I did that, then I would I could do that myself mm-hmm. um, it's um, but but then you've then got the scenario, and uh, yeah we, big data is a a huge thing to talk about um, you know I, I I talk to a lot of groups who are very heavily investing in it um, and they they tend to do that by outsourcing to you know I don't want to call them sweatshops because that's completely wrong, but you yeah, very very intelligent computer analysts who are just Mm -hmm. sitting number crunching whether that be in in China or India or or the Philippines or whatever Um, because again you've got that global world where data is data and if if you can incorporate it one way or interpret it another Mm -hmm. the the whole quantitative number crunching Um, I mean, I, I let me loose on some of the data that you know Winton have for instance. I'd love to see what their systems do and how they do it and how yeah. they their number crunching and um, and what their clever data mm-hmm. scientists are doing. You know, Goldman Sachs have got 160 people in their big data team. You know, that's a huge mm. number
0: of people. A lot of resources. It is a big that's resource. Right. That's right. You wanted to talk about benchmarking. Is that something that you think is important to mention? Um, I think benchmarking is
1: a really interesting subject. Um, in that it's both good and bad. Okay. Um, going back back to your points earlier about, yeah, principles are great. Um, but the fact, you, when you get something that is a benchmark, it creates an anchor. And you know, I'm a big, big fan of yeah, behavioral finance. And I'm not sure benchmarks are the panacea. Um, it does give some, you know, people look at it, and go, oh well, you know, BP, 7% of the so therefore I've got to be mindful that, whether that's a positive mindful or a negative mindful. Mm -hmm. But then if you've got a benchmark, if you're thinking, well, yeah, my objective is to invest in UK companies, but overriding, I want to be carbon neutral, you're not going to have BP or shill. So all of a sudden, you're 15% away from a benchmark. And then you bring in tracking error risk Mm -hmm. and you bring active share risk. Now, whether these are positive or negative risks, again, but people say, well, you did 10 and the benchmark did 20. Well, you're rubbish. Mm. But, you know,
0: so so then you say, oh, we'll we'll bring out an an environmentally friendly benchmark. Mm -hmm. Do you think people are chasing returns that the benchmarks provide and they're anxious on beating that uh, arbitrary performance? Yeah. So then providing more thorough investments and returns for their clients. I mean,
1: there's an argument that there are more benchmarks out there than there are listed stocks. Yeah. Because, you know, we'll we'll equally weight these to 5% each or we'll we'll only look at company, again, with the letter K in their name Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, And and benchmarks are great because they're designed by computer. You know, someone puts in some some attribution yeah. or or some minimum rules and guidelines all of a sudden, right, okay, we've got a benchmark. Benchmarks, um and and again, you know, it that to me isn't necessarily what investing's about. Um it can be positive, it can be negative. Um and yeah, I, I think there are that the, the benchmarking and measuring against the benchmarks, and the, the regulator says if you're launching a fund, you've got to have a benchmark against it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have those benchmarks, which are, as I say, all computer-driven, all you know, the, there's very little y- human interaction on that. So mm-hmm. you know, there is definitely the merging of the, the human and the computer on on that. Um, but I'm not sure whether benchmarking due to um, market capitalization is right. I don't mm-hmm. think, I'm not sure whether it should be done on on liquidity or volume or, you know, again, the UK benchmark is not the UK mm-hmm. economy. Yeah. Um, and... What benchmarks do you
0: guys use in your, in your investments?
1: Most of ours are uh, a broad base of, um, uh, a solution you yeah, know so cautious or balanced or managed or growth or or, or, or those sort of things because we are we're outcome driven they're you not know.
0: based on indices as such they're based on sort of more specific markers uh well it, it's kind of a an amalgamation
1: of a number of different indices okay. um, Yeah, because you know, the, the, the characteristics of investing in fixed income are very different to the characteristics of investing in property or commodities or, or, or equity. So you can't say that you know, I'm 100% equity or you know, I might be 50% equity and 10% commodity and 20% fixed income and 20% property or whatever mm-hmm. and therefore we'll look at that to create a, a, a new benchmark in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, benchmarks are, are, are guidelines. Uh, is, is something to measure. You know, and again, if if you've got the same return as the benchmark, but you've taken less risk, are you better or are, have you outperformed or have you underperformed? Um, you, know, you can't look at investing in isolation. Um, and lots of people try to do that. And again, that goes back to why we look at risks management rather than risk management, because you, you can't just say, yeah, the answer's ten. Mm-hmm. Why is the uh, you know, yeah? It, it's you've got to look beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think benchmarks. And, and certainly when we're looking at the, yeah, the massive um, acceptance of, of ETFs or, or passive ETFs, should yeah. I say, because obviously you can do an active ETF. But um, when someone comes up with an idea, all oh, right, we'll, we'll create it as, as a benchmark, the benchmark doesn't mean that that is the way forward. And, and to me, benchmarks should change, and they, and they do, you know, don't get me wrong, they do change and they have changed. Um, but, but the arbitrary rules you put around them doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right outcome mm-hmm. that that you should be searching mm-hmm. for. So, um,
0: you know, Do you a, think sometimes you have to educate clients <coughs> in that in, in, in saying that these are the benchmarks. But necessarily, what we're doing—if we don't outperform this benchmark, that doesn't mean that we're not providing you value. Is there a lot of are they are these conversations you have with your clients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we've got one um, what one biz- business that, that you know that, that we work with very closely, and, and we run six models for them. Uh, you yeah, know, the, the, the highest exposure we have to equity is about 70%. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, th- these are working with them with regards to how we've built those. And, and it's six models, and it ranges from about 20% equity to about 70% equity. Mm-hmm. And they've asked us to benchmark all of our portfolios against the FTSE or share. So even though the the huge difference
0: yeah,
1: in in asset allocation... But they want us to... bench, so yeah, but
0: Because it's easier for them to think of it that way as opposed yeah, but, to looking at the intricacies. It, I
1: mean, and, and they know that, that they're wrong in that, but the end client yeah. has heard as the FTSE all-share yeah. and says, oh, that, that's... An, that's yeah. what it must be. So even our most aggressive equity portfolio mm. is only 0.7 exposed. And, and actually, it, it's a point exposed to, to equity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that 70% will have international equities as well as domestic mm. equities. And off the back of that, you know, you're never going to look anything like the benchmark yeah and when the volatility of the market's high and the market has a fall you, you look really really good and you don't and you look good by default of it being a an, an unfair benchmark and mm-hmm. and you know in the last few years when the equity markets have done really really well it's it's, it's explaining to the clients well you know we're not hundred percent exposed mm. um, and and it's yeah you know, but that's what the client wants, and, and therefore you have to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. we al- we also give them other other metrics to look mm-hmm. against, and yeah, you know, that they, you know, we're very happy with the relationship we've got with them, and they're very happy with the relationship they they've got with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that could be down to the the education of clients.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that's something that needs to be done more? I mean, how would you go about educating? I mean, do, do clients even even mention we're educating clients? Do they feel as if they need educating, or are they open to learning how you do things better? Or how easy or hard is it for you to have that conversation with them when it comes time to the word educating? Um, or do you have to have kind of sugarcoat it with a, di- a different? Diff- no, well, I, I'll go back to the point, point of you transition or something. You have to kind of put a different spin on it.
1: The majority of our clients are financial advisors, so you would you would hope that they are yeah mm-hmm. educated. Um, their clients mm-hmm. generally aren't educated, mm-hmm. and you know they're going for professional help, and that that's absolutely superb. And I, I'm I, yeah, I, I can't say enough about you know that they've made the right decision Mm -hmm. but there's a there's an awful lot of um of ignorance and misdirection um and and misunderstanding in the wider marketplace Mm -hmm. and and that worries me that we are moving much more into a world of do-it-yourself investing and you've got to look after your own future Mm -hmm. That people on, you know, to me, it, it should be educated at school. You know, yeah, you, education is that's a whole different Part, part of the curriculum. Uh, yeah, I really, I really do think that you know people should should understand, and you know, and you've got a lot of people saying, oh, um, yeah, well, I've got my pension, so we well, you, you do realise your pension is invested in the stock stock market. Oh, I don't take stock market risk. Well, actually, you yeah, do. Actually, you know, yeah, and, right. and um, yeah, and and that sort of thing again is it, it's a naivety. Mm. Um, it, it could be considered an ignorance um and and off the back of that you know we we if if you've got to take responsibility yourself you've got to know something about it yeah um and whether that's or or how you do that I don't know you know you know I I I think of you know the closest we've got in the UK is, you know, Martin Lewis and the money-saving yeah. expert. <laughs> that's right. And to me, that's more about, well, yeah. Instead of buying this holiday yeah. insurance, more buy profane, this holiday yes, it's insurance. More sort of profane as a And it's to money you've saved, yeah, not
0: money you gained. It's not money you've gained, yeah, exactly. The difference. You can save as much as you want, but exponentially, you can make so much more money as opposed to saving.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I see TV adverts, and it's like, oh yeah, this Thomas Cook holiday was seven hundred pounds. It's now six hundred pounds. So you've got an extra hundred pounds to spend on holiday. Yeah. No. Why? Why don't you save the hundred pounds? Yeah. £100? yeah. And do something with yeah. it, yeah, and, and start to earn, yeah,
0: yeah a, a natural
1: income elsewhere
0: yeah. from yeah. rather than just from more your job or whatever. Yeah. Do you think would it be interesting if you was put on a uh, if you were to do a regression, on the rise of new media as Netflix and you know uh, Apple now come out with yeah. that and sort of the rise of that and sort of the declining education. Of investment because people are spending more time, you know, entertaining themselves as opposed to educating themselves. Do you oh. think that that could be <laughs> something, some sort of data you could extrapolate from that? No, I don't think so. I, you I don't think so. No, I, I I really don't. But
1: but what one thing that, that that you do have, certainly within our profession, is is a massive fear of the unknown and a lot of compliance and a lot of paperwork that needs to be signed. Um, I remember looking at, um, uh, w- watching an, an advert for Virgin TV, just okay. with your mind saying there about Netflix, yeah, yeah there was a bit there where you know, Virgin TV came on and buy our media bundle and this that, and the other, and at the bottom of the TV advert it came up and it said, legal stuff applies. <laughs> And I thought, you know... <laughs> what are you talking about legal
0: stuff? <laughs> Yeah,
1: and it's like, you yeah, know, but most people probably spend more on their cable bill on a yeah. monthly basis than they do actually invest. That's right. But then, you yeah, know, you wouldn't go to an, a finance advisor and say, you know what, I'm, I'm spending 120 quid a month on my cable bill. Yeah. I'll spend 120 quid a month yeah. investing. Yeah. Um, and then all this paperwork came, and you go, I don't know about that, yeah. I don't know about yeah. that, I don't understand that. What's that risk? What's blah, blah, blah. You know what, I'll just yeah. give it, you know, investing should be made easy. Yeah. Um, it should be made easier. Why, well,
0: Why should it be? I mean, surely it's up to the person themselves to educate themselves. No one's going to make it easier for you. If they make it easier for you, then it means that they're, they're getting something out of you to sort of not dumb it down, but to make it more uh, accessible. Surely it's up to you as an individual to go through the hard work, to learn about it, so you're more appreciative of the the world out there.
1: Um, I would agree with that, but yeah, know, and, and uh, probably this does go back to the whole Netflix, but you know what? I'd I'd rather just yeah. Yeah, watch a new, new episode choice, of yeah, Rex, yeah Game of Thrones. Thank you very Whatever much. Whatever it is. Um, yeah.
0: The <laughs> it's a big thing for personal responsibility i believe people need to have control over their own lives and what they do with it they can't rely on money managers or anyone else to look out for their own benefit it, it's up to you you get yourself mm-hmm. dressed in the money. you choose where you go to work it's about self-awareness i think yeah
1: um but then you we, we also then live in that scenario where you know, my, my sister-in-law's a, a head teacher yeah and she spends more time working with, you know, social services than she does actually yeah. teaching or developing there. You know, because people say, you know what, it's, it's the school's thing. fault. It's yeah. the the education's fault. It's teacher's fault. It's, you know, mm-hmm. let, let's let let's blame the police rather than mm-hmm. actually taking it on themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, a horrible thing there, you know, that, that we're, we are force-fed. And, oh, if I do that, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas, you know, the government should have said 20, 30, 40 years mm-hmm. ago, the PAYE system isn't going to get you retired. Yeah. If you need to retire, you want to retire, you've got to start doing this and you've yeah. got to take it on board yourself. Now, nudge is obviously helping, but yeah. 1% and 2% and 3% isn't going to get, you know, people have got to put a significant sum away yeah. on a consistent basis yeah. if they want to live yeah. a, a nice, healthy retirement life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, notice how I didn't say wealthy retirement life, I said healthy retirement yeah. life. Um, and people have got to accept that, that equity markets do go up and do go down. People have to accept that, you know, investing in cash is has one risk uh, or a, a a different set of risks than investing in, in equity. And yeah. investing in emerging market equity has different risks again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you know it, it it amazes me that, you know, if you buy, let's say, a brand new car, you're quite happy to accept selling that car tomorrow for 30% less than you bought it yeah. for
0: depreciate assets as but, to, but yeah. when
1: you when you buy an investment
0: yeah
1: and yeah the only investments I'm thinking of are stock market investment or instruments or your house you expect the value to go up yeah everything else you expect the value to go down and you mm-hmm. accept that but you're not willing to, to accept the price of your house to fall and they're not willing to mm-hmm. accept that your regular
0: savings or your lump sum investment mm-hmm. can fall yeah it's that group thing that you mentioned before yeah it affects a lot of people not only investment professionals mm-hmm. yes man, as you said but the general populace,
1: yeah, and and you know we, we have, you know, l- let's say again, owning your own home in in the UK is a, has a very different connotation than owning your own home in Germany. Yeah, you know, very few people own a house in Germany. Yeah. um, lots of people will say that you know owning a house is a bad investment because what it does is it anchors you and ties mm. you to that particular area. Mm. Um, you know, buying and selling houses is not easy, it's not quick, and it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're renting in in, uh, in Scotland and then all of a sudden someone offers you a job in, in Devon, yeah. you can get up and go tomorrow. If you own a house in Scotland and then all of a sudden someone offers you a job in Devon, you've then got a different thing to think about. Mm. So it, it actually reduces mobility
0: yeah. and it reduces, you know, opportunity. Depends on how you see it, because if you see a house as a place to live forever, then you're not going to be thinking about asset appreciation. If you say I'm going to die in this house, for example, as opposed to someone who has a house only for the... Benefit of uh, of investing and yeah. selling it on, you know,
1: and and that's that that brings it down to you know another point that we were talking bef- before the uh, this started was where do we think of the investments of the future? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the millennials' thought process today, and yeah, the millennials of today are going to be the management of tomorrow. They're going right. to be the owners of 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 capitalism tomorrow. Um, yeah, they have a very different outlook on life. They have a very different outlook on. On on owning things, yeah, you know, they're they're much more happy to spend ten quid a month on um, Spotify um, you know, contracts yeah. than buying a CD. Yeah. yeah, not that I don't know if you can buy a CD these <laughs> days, but you know, um, they, they would they would much more do experiences yeah. than actually have yeah th- the trappings of owning a home. Yeah. I mean, now as, as times change and as you know, families get settled and so on and so forth, that that might might change, might change. Um, but. You know, when I left university, you know, the first thing was pay off my student debt as possibly as I could, yeah. as quickly as I could, mm-hmm. and then secondly, it was get myself on the housing ladder. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are, are, are millennials, you know, uh, who who don't even think about getting on the housing ladder. Yeah. And it's not that they want to; it's just it just doesn't enter into yeah. their their thought process. Yeah. So you've got to think about well,
0: yeah, the the thing that drove us in the in the last generation right. isn't necessarily going to be the same drivers of of the next. Do you think so? I think it's a case that there's so many more things that you can invest in, time wise and also money wise, that traditional forms of investing, because they are so complex, are perhaps less less easier to understand because of all the, all the paperwork. You can sort of sell sneakers online now and make as much money as someone working in a nine-to-five in Goldman Sachs. Yeah, yeah. Or you can flip baseball cards or things like mm-hmm. this. People make more money on eBay sometimes than working a nine-to-five. Yeah. By arbitrage. And, and the, gig, the gig economy is alive and well. So, that, I mean, if again, if you're self-aware enough and if you know a certain niche enough then you can really benefit from that you don't need to go through uh, you know traditional conservative ways of making money that you had to in the past there's so many more ways you can do that Yeah, that people are more educated to that and perhaps owning a home isn't seen perhaps rightfully so as a good investment especially if you're more mobile as a young person yeah. these days and that brings, brings me back to a point I, I made earlier about capitalism changing you know in, in in
1: the good old days a company was formed a company grew it wanted to grow more um, but you know, its traditional source of, of financing through the bank was getting too much risky for the bank. Yeah. So they, they listed on the stock market and they raised money in the, yeah. in the market. Yeah. Now, you know, you've got crowdfunding now, you've got the shadow banking, you've got private equity, you've mm-hmm. got hedge so funds, you, re- you've, semester, you've yeah. got you know, all these different factors. Um, you know, yeah, using using yeah, Uber as a prime example, mm-hmm. Uber could raise finance in the debt market as if it was a listed business. But it didn't have all the issues or, or the trappings associated yeah. with being a listed business. so it didn't have to disclose half as much yeah. information from a financial perspective. So why would you Why would you go for a listing? and the yeah. fact that it costs you so much to yeah. be listed, why would you do that? And you know we, in the last couple of years we've seen changes to, to MiFID regulations, yeah. um, which the way that I see it means that smaller, more illiquid you know, businesses you with know, market cap of 250 million or less are not going to get the same access to capital markets that they had in the past. So why would they? Um, you know, We've seen changes to you know, the, the alternative investment market in the UK, the, the AIM market, where it's, it's very good if you're a business that has a very large shareholding by the founders mm-hmm. because there are, there are tax incentives. So there's tax incentives for the founders and it's a different market it's a different characteristic, mm-hmm. it's a different capitalism mm-hmm. that's going. Yeah. Um, and as you say, you know, the the fact that you can crowdfund, the fact that yeah. you can, you know, buy and sell on eBay, the yeah. fact that you know, um, you know, you've got PayPal, you've got yeah. all the you don't you don't even need to go yeah. through the traditional yeah. banking systems okay. to actually have a fully functioning yeah. life these days.
0: I think the methods of, of buying cheap and selling dear. They're still functional now, but they're implemented in different um, uh, different commodities. Absolutely. There was a, it was it was in the news a few days ago that a baseball card sold for nine hundred ninety-five thousand dollars, as much as a a, a Warhol, f- for example. Yeah, yeah. Which you c- you could have bought that for a lot cheaper, and then due to arbitrage and due to value appreciation, mm-hmm. it shoots up. Yeah. So the mechanisms are the same, but the deployment in different assets, they're just growing because people value different things more. People yeah. used to value how I'm not saying they don't mm-hmm. now, but people there's a certain segment of society that values. You know sneakers and trainers and they're willing to put the money in because they know tomorrow they can sell it for a lot more yeah so the markets are expanding they become more niche and if you can jump into that and have the confidence to know that this is a possibility in your life in defining success as well in the future then you can have a much more happier, much more relaxed life as opposed to think you need to work for a certain company yeah absolutely and have a certain lifestyle
1: yeah and, and a job a job for life doesn't guarantee anything or, yeah. or doesn't promise anything yeah. these days um, you know I, I've the
0: days of a gold watch after 20 years are gone now, right?
1: <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. And, you know, um, you know, what what you've got today as well is, is people are willing to, to, to well, you know, I I, you know, I guess I'm fortunate that I always wanted to be in this industry, and mm. I have been in this industry, and I'd, I'd like to think I've had a pretty successful career. Um, but, you know, I, I know guys who have said, well, you know what, I'll give it five years, and if it doesn't work, I'll try something else, yeah. and I'll retrain yeah.
0: and do something else. The effort that you need to put into that, though, they don't think it through that well, do you think? Yeah. Um, Maybe you think not.
1: It's, it's it's a good thing. What do you think? Um, well, it creates flexibility, and it, it, you know, a, apart from the fact that you're you're probably tied by a, a passport and a boundary, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we are seeing a lot more flexibility in so many other ways. Mm-hmm um you know that if you know let's say you're a blogger or you know you're 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 an instagram whatever you know you can go on holiday and you can earn money going on holiday because you're taking photos or you're you're whatever you're doing talking whatever and you know that is brilliant you know youtube stars you know you you know my my youngest son yeah i can honestly say he doesn't watch the tv yeah but he's constantly watching youtube or he's watching you know he's watching people play computer games that he's playing computer games off you know it's um, and we know these guys are earning an awful lot yeah, of money. The, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, you yeah, yeah, the, the, um, know, yeah, all the girls that do the makeup and things yeah. like that. It just fascinates me yeah. how much money that they're yeah, earning yeah. from it. Um, y- the traditional ways of earning and, yeah. you know, the 9 to 5 and the 40 years just doesn't exist yeah, anymore. Yeah. And, you know, we've got to think about that when we're investing for the future. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, going back to property is, is a really, really good scenario. You know, the high street or, or retail is going through so much change. So much change. Um, and that's because people's demands on retail are massively changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was told of, of, a, um, of, of a of a, a shopping centre which is, is not from where, not far from where I live in in Hertfordshire. Um, that was built in two thousand and five and was sold for ninety million. Uh, was sold in two thousand and fifteen for forty five million, and is probably worth about nineteen million today. Wow, um, that's not unusual. And that's not unusual. Um, yeah, the the high street is changing. Mm. Retail is changing, um, and because of that, lifestyles are changing, yeah. or, or lifestyles have yeah. changed, yeah. which is changing. Yeah, the, the knock on yeah. the, the, the secondary and tertiary yeah. impacts
0: are going to be long felt. That's the societal change that I mentioned in the four points. The people are changing due to yeah. different circumstances and demands and pressures and so many things yeah. that you need to keep a, keep a track of.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I'll, I'll use my wife as a prime example. Yeah, <laughs> she when she when you know she might buy a, a, a new top. Yeah. And she doesn't know whether it, it's that size or that size or that color. Yeah. And rather than going into into the into the shop itself and trying them on, yeah. she'll buy three different colors in, yeah. in four different sizes, yeah. <laughs> and then right, that's the one I want. And then, and and so then send are, the others back. That's
0: actors as well. Yeah, um, same thing.
1: And and it's yeah you know, because it's free delivery and it's yeah. free free returns, and she can try try them on in her oh, in I'll her way. Them, yeah. But also with the different yeah trousers yeah, or, or yeah, skirt that she wants to wear yeah, with yeah. it as well, rather than taking those into the shop. Yeah, yeah. And she's become you know a, a much more um, aware and she gets a better surface yeah. yeah. And it's overnight delivery so it comes in the next day it's yeah. got nothing to worry about yeah, yeah. Um, now that will have you know, impacts or you know in other ways in, right. and, uh, yeah positive and negative for landfill for as, as well for mm-hmm. instance and, and so on and so forth but you know it's given her options that she didn't have yeah. five or ten years ago and, right. and who knows where that's gonna go in the next five or ten that's years Right. yeah the
0: world has changed a big time and to wrap up I guess there's one lot well two two things th- that I think we can jump into quickly I guess the uh, the first one is an interesting thing that I read yesterday before pre- was preparing for this uh, podcast and that is to do with uh, share buybacks I don't know if that's something that you have a comment uh, a point on here but this is a study that I saw from BNP Paribas in April 2019 and they mentioned that a uh, share buyback and I'm reading directly from the report here. They say that share buyback uh, transactions have developed significantly in recent years. In the U.S., s p and p 500 companies bought more than one trillion dollars of their own shares in 2018, beating the 2017 uh, record. And they also go into to uh, saying what do shareholders favor in terms of benefits. So up to 50% m- both want dividends and share buybacks. Only 8% want to strict share buybacks. 32% wanted only dividends and 9% weren't sure. But out of the shareholders, who do you think want uh, favoured share buybacks the most, do you think?
1: The, you know what, that, it's a brilliant question. It's one that I ask fund managers on a constant basis. Because obviously, you know, a, a share buyback takes out shares that are in issue, which by default should increase the value of those shares. And mm. therefore, you, you, you get a bigger... Capital gain or, yeah. or argu- arguably you do mm-hmm. um, what it doesn't do is it gives you the you as the investor the money back so you can decide whether you want to reinvest back into that yeah. company or invest elsewhere or, right. or, or diversify so you know it could take that a- away but what it, what it also doesn't do is is it doesn't give tax back to the system mm-hmm. yeah. in in terms of dividends, so yeah, you could argue that it takes um, takes money out of the, of the the financial coffers of, of the government um, share buybacks tend to be a very very good thing for very healthily rewarded chief execs and and boards, because the, you a know, a lot of their benefits are, are according to the e p s of the business mm-hmm. um, if you buy a load of shares back the EPS you've got fewer shares the e p s goes up mm-hmm. by default that's um, earnings per share for those who don't, sorry yeah, yeah. The, the earnings per share of of, of the company yeah. um, and and that you know can be seen as more of a um, specific to the board or specific to the objectives. And, you know, and, and yeah, m- most most senior managers and, and chief execs are only in in their in their seat for four, five, six years. Mm-hmm. So if they've got a five-year deal and they think, well, actually, I'll just buy all the shares back as much as I possibly can, yeah. and then I move off into the sunset and do yeah. exactly the same thing at uh, the next job, mm-hmm. they, they feather their own nest yeah. very, very well. Yeah. Um, one of the things with share buybacks, when it takes shares out of the system, is it takes liquidity out of the yeah. system because there are less shares to buy. Um, and what that can do is create higher volatility. Because you know, if all of a sudden you, you want to buy those shares and they're not there, there was a million there yesterday and there's a million less today, there isn't that million shares for you to, to go mm-hmm. around and pick up. Now they argue, and that's the argument that, well, that pushes the share price up and that's good. But they then don't put those million shares back into the play to create the liquidity again. Um, and I think that's a, that's a major negative. Um, in a world where we have incredibly low interest rates and incredibly mm-hmm. low inflation, there is a demand for income. There is a demand for yield, uh, and a lot of what what these companies are saying are, is, you know, well, we can grow our company quicker than yeah by buying the shares back, then actually reinvesting yeah. or, or giving that money back because we know better than than our investors isn't
0: that just inflating the price artificially? Artificially,
1: yeah. it does absolutely. It doesn't reflect the true value of the company. Well, who, who knows that yeah again, the, the true value yeah. of a company is the eBay. you know I'm willing to pay yeah, more than yes, you so, and, yes, and, so yes. and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, the, the whole yeah. and not eBay the, the, the auction yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of scenario. Um, in in a world where capitalism is at at risk, as I've yeah uh, you know, previously highlighted, um, you know, we are seeing more and more companies have less and less stock. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it means that there's there's less demand, there's less supply. Uh, you know, th- there's a, an index in the U.S. called the Wilshire 5000. Now, uh, it wouldn't surprise you that it's got 5,000 companies in it, uh, hence the name. Or, mm-hmm. it, but it would surprise you if I told you that. When they launched it, it had five thousand companies, but there's only about three and a half thousand today because yeah. of the amount of companies that have been bought out over the years. and They've just they've not had the new supply mm-hmm. to actually put that more companies more the, companies back into yeah. the index, um, and and that again worries me that you know th- because of crowdfunding, because of different ways of you know uh, of of getting equity or, or getting assets or, or getting you know liquidity or or, um, or capital for your you know daily working. Uh, business life um i i think it's much better for the well the the reason why companies are doing share buybacks is because their major institutional investors are saying buy those shares back
0: but who do you think out of the main institutional investors who do you think uh, i have the numbers here you know uh favor share buybacks the most who do you think i would say it was the institutions would would suggest that Well, well we have sort of we have to To give you the answer, I think ninety eight percent, percent, uh, hedge funds. Sorry, let, me, let me say that word again. Eighty nine percent of hedge funds favor share buybacks. Yep, that's the biggest number. Then our mutual funds, then our pension funds, then our wealth funds. So it's the, it's 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 the more active guys who want yep. the security, I guess. Well, it's interesting that the wealth guys are the
1: ones who are saying, "Give me the choice." Because if you can give me the, if you give me the, yeah, you know, the choice of either pay me a dividend or reinvest that company, yeah. give me the choice. And I, if I want to reinvest, reinvest back there. in you, I can. I'll if I want it. to diversify yeah. from your income stream, I'll do that as yeah. well. Therefore, you're thinking much more about their mm-hmm. end consumer. Mm-hmm. Hedge funds, by default, never pay dividends, mm-hmm. so they're going to say, right, let's roll, let's roll the dice again, let's roll the dice yeah. again, let's roll the dice again. And therefore, they're going to want that yeah. compounding. Their strategy is different as opposed yeah. to the both guys. Yeah. Th- and that doesn't surprise me at all. So that's yeah. why I'm saying yeah, the institutions are more yeah. about buying the shares mm-hmm. rather than the, yeah, the more retail. The end, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if, if someone gives you the choice of saying, well, you know what? I can give you £100 in, in dividends or I can roll that £100 up and you might get another – you might get £150 of capital appreciation, mm-hmm. but you might get £50 of capital appreciation because yeah the industry might not like it or yeah. might like it yeah. whereas you can say well actually well give me the 100 and i'll decide whether i want to invest yeah. uh yeah
0: the 100 or 50 or yeah. or anything in give that or I, i'll i'll actually spend it thank yeah. you very much very good so how could people get into contact with you if they want to reach you for any reason i know you're quite active on the twitter and the linkedin i i am indeed yes uh, uh
1: it, it's at richard p philbin i yeah. think or it, Yes, that, that, yeah. Even if uh, they put on, in your on name, Twitter, Twitter, yeah, R- Richard Philbin. Me. They sh- they should be That's able to right. find me on there. That's right. um, and so our, our website is wellian iscom uh, We do a, a weekly, um, uh, I, I guess, a, a, a research note or a, or a blog or views on the markets. Yeah. Um, you know, more than happy to if people want to sign up for that, they you know just just drop us a note and we can do that. Very good. Um, and yeah, we can say so we are. Quite, quite, quite visible on uh, on social media. Social
0: media, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for this. This is going to be very useful, I think, for students for finance and also for those um, those veterans out there. So we're going to end it here. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye.